Sadie Lincoln is the co-founder and CEO of Bar3, a fitness company focused on teaching people to be balanced in body and empowered from within. Bar3 has more than 140 franchise studios powered by female entrepreneurs, plus an online workout streaming subscriber base in over 98 countries. Sadie is on Inc.'s Female Founders 100 list and speaks regularly on the topics of mindful leadership, the power of body wisdom, and the movement to redefine what success in fitness means. Her company is even offering a free 15-day trial right now. But here's the thing. Sadie doesn't really like the term CEO, so she made it work for her. For Sadie, E no longer stands for executive. E is now for energy. And energy is what we're talking about this week how to find it, even in our darkest moments, how to inspire it in others, and how to honor our own. I'm Claudia Reuter, and this is the third season of The 43%. Hi, Sadie. Thanks so much for joining The 43% today. My pleasure. Hi. Can we kick off? Do you mind by just sharing a little bit about your current world and what it's like professionally and personally? Sure. I'm here in Portland, Oregon, and I... Um, I'm a mother of two teenagers, a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. Uh, my son is 14, daughter is 16, two rescue pups. My husband and I are co-founders of Bar 3 Exercise Studios. And for anyone who doesn't know about Bar 3, we ha- we franchise. So we have studios all across the nation, close to 170 signed, 150 actual studios that are built and had to close. <laughs> So just this morning, um, my morning was actually kind of lovely today because I got to see all of our owners on a big Zoom call. So we all got together and talked about resilience and our comeback plan for when we get to open our studio doors again. And then as a group, we practiced that idea of resilience in our bodies with a bar three workout together. And it was really sweet and special to be able to literally zoom at all of our owners across the country and then Canada right into our dining room. Chris and I did the workout with them and it was pretty special. My kids are distance learning in their respective rooms. I barely see them these days. It's been really weird. Yeah, my I'm in a similar boat. Mine are uh, 17 and 15, and they're just off in their own little corners of the, the building, so to speak. Yeah, my kids are like, I I mean, they just need their space, right? At this age, they're just like, you know, they need their space. It's hard for them. And so, so, I mean, I guess with that in mind, like how have you been finding balance under quarantine? Has it been something you've had to re-navigate? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just like starting over. It's so chaotic and so disruptive that we've just had to find a new normal. And I would say, I mean, the first two weeks were just insane. I I barely remember them, to be honest. It It was so scary with the work situation and figuring that out, navigating unemployment, how to furlough, applying for loans, I know everyone listening had some version of that and it was just so, so, so crazy. And then the emotional side of it, you know, working with all of our owners who are going through it in their respective communities. And then we sort of hit our stride and now the kids, I feel like the kids were really patient during that time, very self-motivated, thank goodness. Um, And now we have just a little more of a flow. I feel like if anything, we're more sort of attuned to nature. 
Like we're noticing the moon. We're noticing like mama bird building her nest on our porch, taking time to go out on walks. For us, I think it's oddly and ironically, we feel more connected. We feel more a sense of community right now than we did before the coronavirus. And I think it's just because we're all in it together. I think if anything, honestly, I have a little dread of going back to normal because I do think we'll, most of us will just bounce back and sort of forget this. I think we do have a heightened awakening around the environment, around how socially connected we truly all are. And I think that this isn't, it's not just going to all of a sudden magically end. I think we're going to go in and out of this sort of quarantine situation. And I'm hopeful that each time we build that muscle a little bit stronger, that conscious like environmental muscle, the importance of connecting and community and taking care of our bodies. Yeah, this is definitely, I think, uh, you know, an awakening and an opportunity to be so much more intentional in our activities and our businesses. You know, you've you've obviously gotten a ton of positive media coverage, um, and in particular, a lot of attention for being a female, you know, successful CEO. Um, you know, curious, like in this current environment, like your thoughts on why that's a narrative that folks are so eager to run with. I mean, I'm I'm pretty passionate about helping to support female founders um, and find, you know, opportunities to help change the stats. But as someone like yourself who has successfully started a huge enterprise um, and then, you know, has quite a bit of media featured on, you know, the fact that you're a female CEO, I'm curious um, your thoughts on that narrative and, and um, what maybe you wish people asked you about instead. Well, mostly I think it comes from really good intentions around providing perhaps inspiration for future women to take on higher leadership positions, which we need that, as you know, we're not, we're not equally represented. That being said, for me, I've had a really, I I didn't want this title. In fact, I tried to get rid of it because I don't see myself and I don't run my company as maybe most people would define a CEO. And I've actually had criticism around that. I think I've been under the magnifying glass because I'm a woman, like people really observe and also judge. Um, when you're when you're in the arena, like Brene Brown says, you're, there's a lot of like cheap, cheap seats, as she says, like people, people definitely take jabs. And I think if you are a woman CEO, people are so desperate for you to to do it right so that we can kind of say, yeah, see women CEOs rock. We need more of them. And there's a, there's an intense pressure around that. And I, my take on why there aren't as many women CEOs as men, I think isn't talked about as much. Of course, there's barriers to entry. We don't have as many opportunities. We know that. But I think even more importantly, the construct the actual model of being a CEO doesn't really resonate with many women. It's not naturally how I want to lead. Can you share a little more about that? Yeah. Like, I mean, and I, I would just want to say with a huge caveat, this, I'm not speaking about to all women and I'm more speaking to feminine energy versus masculine energy. And we, we all have both. So it's actually gender neutral, but I do believe 
women are conditioned in a world to be more nurturing, to be more intuitive, to lean on collaboration versus competition, to be okay in the chaos, to be okay in the unknown, to let go of certainty. And a more masculine way of running a company is opposite to that. I mean, most CEOs run a really tight ship that's around, which I think is important. Again, order and certainty is very important, but it's around finance, research, data, KPIs, really operating a company in a very systematic, linear way. I think that's important. It's just not how I naturally roll. And so I've let go of that and I've hired someone who does that. And now I've hit a stride. And the reason I kept my title is because my brother, first of all, was just like almost yelling at me, telling me to keep it for other women. And how I've adjusted it in my own framing is I I consider myself the chief energy officer for bar three versus executive officer. And that's just as important. I think that we need to start to look at how we raise leaders and how we define success. If we could all redefine what success in leadership means, I think there would be way more women um, empowered in higher level positions. Ready to live your best life in 2020? Then you need Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is the internet's top rated customized hair care brand with over 30,000 five-star customer reviews and counting. Curly or straight, natural or processed, Function of Beauty individually formulates every bottle based on your unique hair type, style preferences, and hair goals. To begin the short four-question quiz and to save 20% off your first purchase, go to functionofbeauty.com slash 43. You tell them all about your hair and even customize your formula with fragrance and color, or you can go dye and fragrance-free. The products are so personalized, your name is even printed on the bottle. Plus, Function of Beauty is vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients. To get started right now, go to functionofbeauty.com slash 43 to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% off your first order. Don't spend another minute in hair misery. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash 43 to let them know that we sent you. That's functionofbeauty.com slash 43. One of the things we love to to dig into on the 43% are some of the more nonlinear career paths that that happen and help people see that there's possibilities all over the place um, at different points. I, I would say instead of a straight and narrow path, I've had a windy road and it's just meandered. I've meandered. I'm a meanderer, perhaps because of how I was raised. I was raised alternatively. Um, my mom was part of a group of other single moms and they decided to raise us kids together out of convenience and they're still very close. We're all a family still. They're like my aunties and their children are like my siblings. And so I grew up in this very supportive, non-traditional, highly intuitive female home. And so I'm sure that has a lot to do with my choices and who I am and how I've raised bar three. Perfect example is I didn't take the SAT in high school. My family didn't really push that. And so, and I'm not naturally 
a student, like the education system does not align with how I learn. I ended up um, moving to Los Angeles when I was 18. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Um, that was a huge turning point for me. And I part of my motivation was to get to know my father, my birth father, for the first time, really. That was really a special, uh, challenging, but special growth moment for me. And I enrolled in Santa Monica City College, which is a community college. Ended up transferring to UCLA, which never would have, I thought I would have ended up there, but I did. At UCLA, I enjoyed sociology. That ended up being my major. It was super intuitive. I loved studying people and organizations and education. I thought maybe I was going to be a teacher. And then I found the John Wooden Center, which is our student rec center, and really fell in love with group exercise and fitness. And while all my friends were more kind of like professionally driven, like thinking about, oh, I'm going to get, you know, be a behavioral psychologist or a lawyer or a doctor, I was like, I'm going to be a group exercise instructor. <laughs> Literally, that was my goal. I that I was, I've never been a big, like, I don't know, never had huge ambition. I just follow what I love doing. And I ended up at the College of William and Mary for grad school. I helped run their fitness instructor training program. And I thought then I was going to run college rec center fitness programming. That was my track, but I was very open to other ideas and ended up working for 24 hour fitness right after that. And that, that's where I really got groomed in the fitness industry for 10 years. What's really interesting is that you're talking about really following your bliss, right? And we, a lot of people have talked about this concept that when you really follow your, and understand your purpose, things sort of start to unfold. Um, and so it's super interesting to hear you describe the, this, you know, this moment that you were, you know, going through the educational process, but really following what you were interested in and following your passion. Um, so what were some of the things that then, you know, led you to actually start your own business and, and go down this path? Yeah, I think I'm deeply grateful for my experience at 24 Hour Fitness. I can't believe I stayed there for over 10 years, a little over 10 years. I think one of the main reason I stayed there is because i was able to work directly for the founder and CEO at the time, Mark Mastrov. And he was very entrepreneurial and took me under his wing and just really made me feel important. And that was huge for me. And, and I learned the business and I would say I was certainly not following my bliss. And he knows this. It wasn't, it, there were so many things that did not resonate for me. And I felt like such an outsider, even though I loved fitness and I loved group exercise. And that was like my sort of my flow state at 24 hour fitness. It was about building membership, low dues, and kind of hoping they didn't show up because we would have so many members per gym. If they all showed up, we wouldn't be able to take care of them very masculine oriented. The entire fitness industry, which I learned in 10 years, is is based on selling a result. And, and that result was about being lowering your body fat, building muscle, you know, all the science-based stuff around fitness. And a lot of times that fitness was sold based on imagery. And at 24 Fitness, we use like supermodels, like anyone be from Pamela Anderson to Cindy Crawford to super athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, 
Andre Agassi, uh, Lance Armstrong at one point. So those are really our heroes around fitness and what we sold. I always personally felt shame around fitness because I didn't feel like I was enough and I would follow those fitness protocols, but I didn't, I felt very disassociated from my body. I had low self-esteem and it kind of sucked my love of fitness out of me. So that, that led me and ended up leading me to bar three. And what, what the catalyst was for me was I got pregnant for the first time and And that lesson of coming back into my body and loving my body and just being like in complete wonder about the miracle of a baby. You can't think a baby to grow. It's all about the natural order of things and intuition and feminine energy, right? And I started to move in alignment with that. And I started to develop an at-home practice, mostly yoga. And even though at those times it was DVDs, I would just listen to the voice. And I had this like chart up on my wall to kind of remember what the poses were. I would just play around with different ways of moving that honored what my body needed that day. And as you, you know, your body changes every minute when you're pregnant almost. So before fitness was a fight with my body to the finish line. It was almost like I would ignore pain because I wanted to get to the finish line. It was more about was my heart rate up enough? And was I moving long enough for me to burn the fat or the energy that I had consumed and calculated earlier that day? Um, which is a very disassociated way of moving. And in my opinion, why fitness is failing all of us. That methodology doesn't work and that's proven in data. Like as the fitness industry is booming and it has been since 1980 when it arrived, um, our health is on the serious decline obesity has doubled, for example. So I don't think the traditional way we do fitness works. And that's why we started Bar 3. That's so interesting because you're saying that in many ways, we we think of fitness almost as punishing ourselves to a certain degree to, or at least sometimes I feel that way. Um, I, and I know what you mean when you're pregnant. Um, I remember feeling like I, I think I took better care of myself at that point of my life because I knew I needed to take care of the the baby growing inside of me. Um, and I try to remember that sometimes like, hey, would I do this to a baby? Like what I'm doing to myself right now? Um, and so it's just, it's interesting to hear that you were able to actually get cre- so creative and 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 motivated to to actually rethink exercise as a whole. So actually for folks don't, who don't know, can you share a little bit about what your practice is like? Yeah, bar 3 it's a full body balance workout and we combine strength conditioning, cardio and mindfulness all in one. And I think what I love the most about bar 3 and continue to love about bar 3 is that we have a core value everybody matters and that really does manifest within the product in a couple of ways. Number one is that it is not that we are not the guru model, meaning this is not the Sadie Lincoln method. We don't have like a celebrity or a fitness guru that everybody's looking to for answers. We really put that accountability and responsibility on the client because we truly believe that everybody is their own best teacher and that we affirm every single day that you have body wisdom. You know what's right for your body. I'm going to show you how to align it. I'm going to give you some great tools to modify building muscle and balance, 
creating mobility in your joints, posture, breath work, training presence in your body. I'm going to teach you those things, but, but I'm also going to affirm along the way that your job is to modify and take shapes in your body that honors what you need in that very moment versus where you want to get to in the future, which is an absolute practice because we've all been conditioned to exercise to get somewhere. And that might even be a really positive thing, but we even condition out of that. Like I'm, I want to exercise to get a stronger heart, strong bones, which is fine. That will be an output if you continue to exercise, but in the moment, what do you really need? What do you really need in the moment? Like, you know, what does your body need? Does it need child's pose? Do you need to burn off steam? Do you need cardio? Do you need a sweat today? Do you, you know, that's more what we focus on is presence and movement, strength, cardio, and mindfulness. I, um, I've really totally, honestly been struggling quite a bit because I, I had, I felt like I had a routine going and it's probably more as you were describing in terms of a bit of a punishing routine. And since the pandemic happened, I feel like almost like my whole body is just like shut down (laughs) and I'm like, uh, yeah. So I'm just wondering like, how are you staying motivated to keep going and what are some of the, the things you're doing, you know, at home and then with your colleagues? Number one is compassion and permission to pause. Like, it's okay. You know, let go of the shame of not having the same routine, not doing enough, not being enough, not working out enough, not enough, not enough, right? <laughs> um, that's a practice to to let that go. And because really when we start to spiral, it's like the shame spiral specifically with exercise and mostly a lot of women feel this way. Um, we start to anchor exercise as a chore. And so for me, it's just noticing when I have that dialogue of, ugh, I didn't exercise today. Be like, oh, it's okay. You're worrying about exercise. You don't need to worry about exercise. Deep breath. What do you need right now? What does your body need right now? And and it might be just standing up and doing like a modified camel pose. It might be like, oh, grab the leashes. Let's go, dogs. We're going to go on a walk. And I also need nudges. I need someone to remind me. And I'm so thankful for Bar 3. Like, we're doing so many new things that we've never done before. We're doing this live story every day on our Bar 3 Instagram. And we're literally picking things that we all need. My team and I, we're like, what do we need right now? Like, I don't really want to do burpees. Let's do a sound bath. We're just doing playful things along with bar three workouts that are designed to be at home. And I do need that nudge. I need that accountability of, oh my gosh, this morning, like I said, all of our owners did a workout together. I needed them to get me to stand up to move. And um, I didn't even think I was going to do it. I'm like, I'll do a little bit and peace out. But I ended up doing the whole thing and I was so thankful for it. I think we all, we all need that little nudge right now at home for sure. What's exciting about your company too, is that it feels like so much more than a company. It feels like a real, it does feel like a community from the way you've described it. Um, Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you went from starting a business to really having this be something that is, is as big as it is? Like, I think it's very hard for people sometimes to to grasp, you know, how, what the steps are in between starting and and getting to the scale that you're at, you know, do, do you have any guidance or, or stories you can share that would help people understand a little bit about what that's like? Anyone can pick up a business book and learn about multi-unit operations and how to scale a company, right? That's all stuff that we're taught all the time. And 
I think there's another way to look at it. And for me, genuinely, it's been relationship by relationship, person, one person at a time. And really working on myself over the years and showing up with my values as a leader, but also as a person, you know, and, and then listening and learning from other people that I'm really attracted to who expand my thinking, who expand my energy, um, and, and make bar three elevated. I'm just learning from them and, um, figuring out that we have so many aligned core values and really letting those drive our company. And I mentioned everybody matters. Give generously is another one of our core values. And I think every day in the early days when I was first opening the studio or maybe had a first few franchises, I remember like going to work and literally that mantra in my head, give generously, give generously, give generously, give generously. So I could fill my tank. So when I got there, every person I saw, I looked at in the eyes and I tried to remember their names and I thanked them for being a part of bar three, like, you know, just showing up with a generous heart that way. Um, and to this day, when I teach classes, I do that because it's, it's like switch tasking, you know, I'm figuring out some crisis or putting out a fire or dealing with worse an emotional employee issue, which is always taxing and then having to go teach a class and be on for everyone, you know, um, it's a, a lot of it is that, and then talking about that with our team and talking about what it is to show up for each other. And that relationships and community are just as important as exercise as, as a central component to our product. Like what we talk about, like the little mini conversations in between class at the water cooler while we're cleaning the mats or right now before or after a Zoom live stream class, those moments really matter just as much as the epicenter of our product, the actual class that we teach. And we all really share that value. The concept of, you know, giving generously, giving generously and making those connections. Um, you know, some people have talked about the idea of also it's you can you can only give what you what you have. Right. And so you're obviously you have a very full overflowing cup. Right. In terms of like energy. How, what are some of the things that you do to maintain that so that you can give in that way? I don't have an overflowing cup most days and that's OK. Like. I'm talking to myself again. That's okay, Sadie, because I, and I've learned to every year, every day I'm practicing honoring that where I can start and stop and knowing like, oh my gosh, I signed up for that thing and it's too much. It is, it's too much. Like I can't authentically give generously to that because I'm tapped out, right? So, so honoring the boundary and, and remembering that when I'm signing up for various ways to, to serve the bar three community, that's number one. And then number two is behind the scenes, noticing what things I really, truly, I can pour into myself with, like what things really fill me and give me joy, gratitude, energy, um, resilience. And then also on the flip side of that, noticing what depletes me that I've been ignoring and um, what behaviors ultimately are not serving me, like um, drinking two glasses of red wine versus one, um, 
and waking up feeling more groggy, like just noticing that without judgment, just like, did that really serve me? You know, was that really helpful for me? So those are some ways that I, I, I try to practice, um, having a full cup. Sadie, that your answer was so helpful. As I was listening to it, I, I feel better having had a chance to talk with you. And so I'm sure other people who are hearing your story are going to feel the same way. It's it's just been an absolute pleasure to have a little bit of time to get to know you. And thank you so much. That's it for this episode of The 43%. We'll be back next week with another conversation with an inspiring woman. If you could take just a minute to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening, I'd really appreciate it. The 43% is produced by me, Claudia Reuter, Maddie Foley, and the entire team at Wonder Media Network. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. Theme music is by John Anthony Borman and Duncan Robert Lloyd. You can follow Wonder Media on Twitter at WMN Media and on Instagram at WMN.media. I'm on Twitter too at Reuter underscore Claudia. You can also learn more about each episode at www.the43percent.com. Talk to you next week, and thanks again for listening. I get up really early, and I can't start my day without a cup of coffee. And in quarantine, I've recently discovered Rise Brewing Company, which makes organic, sustainably sourced coffee delivered straight to your door. Rise Brewing Company are the experts in creating nitro cold brew coffee that's organic, non-GMO, and non-dairy. Infused with nitrogen and made with the best ingredients, Rise's creamy cold brews are refreshingly smooth. If you'd like to fuel your mind with sustainably sourced coffee, head to bit.ly slash R-I-S-E 43%. That's bit.ly slash R-I-S-E 43%. You can also follow the link in our episode notes. Happy caffeinating. 101 women currently serve in the U.S. House of Representatives. That's a record. But still, women make up just 23.2% of the governing body. And that's where women belong in the House comes in. From Wonder Media Network, host Jenny Kaplan seeks to understand the state of gender representation in office and asks how Congress would change if it looked more like the people it represents. Jenny speaks with women in the House of Representatives to learn about what it's like to serve in a place that wasn't built for you. Representatives open up about how it feels to be part of a diverse coalition and why it's so hard and necessary to work across the aisle. Listen and subscribe to Women Belong in the House wherever you listen to podcasts.